Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to the morning briefing for Wednesday, August 15th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dame. Jake Hughes is your producer and coming up on today's show, well, we've got a big one. We've got Jason McCarthy, former Green Beret and founder of GORUCK. He's going to tell us about a recent event that his organization took part in down in Jacksonville, Florida, with the people from Walk of America. We've actually talked to them before. They're a group of six veterans, three American, three British, walking basically a thousand miles across the country to raise awareness of veterans' issues, particularly those who are wounded in combat. Jason's going to talk to us about that experience and the big announcement that he's going to be the Grand Marshal of the New York City Veterans Day Parade coming up in November. We're also going to have the American Legion's Matt Schumann and American Legionnaire AP. AP is a fascinating guy. He's out in Arizona doing great things for veterans, doing great things for children, just doing great things in the state of Arizona through his Hero Zona programs. Uh, He is a fascinating guy. Served in the Army, got out and got involved in the world of celebrities and athletes. Apparently, he's a guy who can reach like Floyd Mayweather on the phone at a moment's notice and all this other very, very cool stuff. Fascinating guy to talk to. We're going to talk to him. And then an interview that was supposed to play on Monday Monday when we talked to IAVA's Tom Porter, Jake sat down and spoke with them. That's going to air today too because Jake, well, we had some technical difficulties over the last 2 days. It's kind of kind of the deal of doing modern broadcasting where when the computers don't cooperate, everything kind of falls apart. So we did have some issues with that uh, that seem to be straightened out now. Uh, the stream is back up and running on the ConnectingVets.com website. We are on WPGC FM2 here in Washington, D.C., back up on there. But, yeah, the computers were basically... Uh, the computers were basically giving us the finger over the last two days. Yeah, and the important takeaway I found, it's all Phil Briggs's fault. Well, most things are. I yeah. mean, I, I hit my elbow on the corner of that counter outside the studio yesterday. I was talking to him. That's why it happened. I spilled uh, the water from my lunch, healthy lunch of cup noodles, on my hand and have a pretty significant burn. You can see that oh, red wow. part on my... Uh, oh, wow. That's Jake's catchphrase for those who didn't know. Have I played the audio for you of you saying, oh, wow? No. From an interview that you did? No. It's pretty good. I mixed it with some stuff that Jonathan Copanger said as well. Turns into a lovely little four-second super cut. But uh, so I blame... basically, I'm uh, Owen Wilson. Wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, yours is like Owen Wilson combined with George Takei from Star Trek. Oh, wow. It's, it's a little bit like that. It's one of those things that you probably don't hear, but it's out there, and I think it's, it's pretty good, actually. So, uh, yeah, we didn't have the computers cooperating with us. So Monday's show, which was supposed to feature Jason McCarthy of Go Ruck and IAVA, well, the Go Ruck interview is going to be played today as well as the IAVA interview and that American Legion interview 
with AP and Matt Schumann. So a really nice, fun, full show coming up today. A full two-hour show coming up this morning on The Morning Briefing. And of course, if you're on Facebook watching us like Justin Brown is, I see he just left a thumbs up there, please feel free to join into the show through the comments there. Jake's going to be paying attention to those uh, just as much or more than he's paying attention to all the nonsense that I'm saying. And we'd like to interact with you if you have any any thoughts, any things that you would like to add into the conversation uh, or just to say hello or give us a thumbs up if you don't want to type in words like Justin Brown. I mean, it is early for him. Yeah, so, it is. You know. And that's a, words is a lot of work. And for those who missed Justin's uh, typical Tuesday appearance because of the technical difficulties we were having, uh, he'll be back next Tuesday. So, you know, and it's kind of a, a dead time in Congress right now, as we're going to talk about with Matt Schumann coming up uh, when we talk to the American Legion in the next segment. So next week, uh, there may be a little bit more for Justin to yeah. talk about with us, <laughs> or at least a couple, uh, an extra week's worth. Actually, we haven't talked to him for two weeks because he was down at the AMVETS convention the week before that. So we'll yeah, be able to talk right. to him about his experience there and all of that. Jake, do you have cable television? No, I do not. You don't. Are no. you a cord cutter, or you just don't don't watch TV? I at just all? don't watch TV, and I have a I have a jailbroken Fire Stick. If there's ever <gasps> something I really need to watch, isn't that illegal? Well, technically, I, I guess. Mean. Yeah, I guess it is. But well, we were cord cutters on Long Island just because we had Direct TV for a while because I wanted to watch all the football games. Then I realized I just didn't want to watch sixteen football games. I mean, that's a lot of hours uh, every year. So we cut the DirecTV when the, uh, you know, you get the deal when you first sign the contract. Like, for two years, it'll cost this much. And then after that, it'll go up 300%. We cut the cord then. We went, switched to Sling TV, which is like basically over the internet. You get, I think at the time, it was 20 to 25 TV channels. Like, you know, network television, cable television. Had all the things that we really wanted to see. Had Fox Sports for me to watch the UFC. Had AMC for my wife to watch The Walking Dead and all that good stuff. But when we moved uh, to come down here and do this job, we got cable again because, hey, it was a great deal. And we use Fios. That's what we have at our place. But if Comcast is an option for you and you're a veteran, guess what? You now have the ability to get Comcast cable for just $10 a month. Oh, Oh wow! I was I was I stopped. That's myself actually from not saying cable. It. It's actually internet. So allow me to to clear that up. It's Comcast internet for just ten dollars a month, which is also a good deal. I mean, the internet is uh, we use the internet more than we watch TV. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we even if you count Netflix and all that stuff as TV, we still go and use the internet more. I mean, my wife is constantly using it during work. I use it whenever I'm home, all that good stuff. You can qualify for $10 a month internet through Comcast, where Comcast is available for the following reasons. You be or live with a veteran receiving state and or federal assistance reside in an area where Comcast is available, obviously, but not have subscribed to it within the last 90 days. So if you have Comcast internet, basically you need to cut it out for 90 days yeah. and then come back to it <laughs> to get this deal. You can't have been a Comcast subscriber for the past 90 days and not have any outstanding debt to Comcast that is less than a year old. But if your debt is more than a year old, you may still be eligible for the savings. Now, apparently since 2011, and this is according to a story on ConnectingVets.com, a website that you should absolutely be going to, 
The internet service provider has invested more than $500 million to support their digital literacy initiative, reaching more than 8.5 million low-income Americans. But the latest move to extend internet essentials to low-income vets is the second largest increase in the program's history. Uh, it's really a, a pretty fascinating thing. And again, it's for low-income individuals. It's not for everybody. I wouldn't qualify uh, for this, but I believe, and you'd have to check with Comcast on this, but... The state and federal assistance, well, does the GI Bill count as federal assistance? I that's assume. a good so point. If you're on the GI Bill, for a lot of people, that's your sole source of income. That, that uh, uh, what do you call it? The payment that you get. The for, Yeah, the living stipend that you get uh, for a lot of people. So it, it's something that would be worth checking out. I don't see it in the story, but fewer than 70% of low-income veterans actually have internet access, Jake. For people that are so internet dependent, like yourself and myself, you're gaming constantly. I've got the games. I've got the Netflix. My wife works from home, so uses the internet when she's doing that, when she's not traveling like she is right now. Does it surprise you to hear that less than 70% of veterans have internet access? It really does, because you you think this day, modern day and age, everyone uses the internet. And mm. the important thing to remember is that... Uh, in some, is it there have been movements by the federal government? I think with the the uh, oh god, what's it called? The um, net neutrality, net neutrality to to qualify the internet as a public utility because you need it so much for things these days. Like we're so interconnected. So I think that it surprises me that we said seventy percent of low income veterans, less than seventy percent of uh, it says less than seventy percent of. Low-income veterans have internet access, and only about 60% own a computer. The interesting thing about that stat is how much of the other 40% or 40-plus percent, whatever it might be, it's, it's somewhere around 40%, how many of them have a smartphone? Because if you have a smartphone in this day and age, you have a computer. Yeah. You have a better computer now in your pocket than I had 10 years ago at my desk. You my phone is about? probably better shaped than my laptop is. Oh, my laptop's missing the left arrow key, which is, uh, it still operates. It's still got the little push thing there, but man, it's a pain. I mean, I, I'm fairly certain I'm going to have to buy a new computer soon, but I want a new TV first. I want a nice 65-inch screen to go up on the wall. Uh, my wife is is interested in in a larger screen, too. But she said, you know, when I said, hey, there's a great deal. It was on Amazon Prime Day, and then I saw another one at Best Buy this past weekend. She said, wouldn't you rather get out of debt? And, <laughs> and I looked at her, and, and I said, yeah, sure. But I was really thinking, no, I want a 65-inch TV. Priorities. When I'm, when I'm watching, uh, you know, Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov fight later on this year, I want them to be almost the same size that they are in person. That's what I want out of my TV, so that would be a good thing. But yeah, if you're interested in the internet, and while it's not cable, cable bill is going to cost more than that, obviously, it is something in this era with things like Sling TV, with things like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime, uh, which a lot of people don't realize. If you have Amazon Prime, you can use their app either through your Roku, your TV, your Xbox, your phone, or whatever, and stream tons of movies and original content and TV shows. So lots of uh, older HBO shows are on there and everything. It's really a, a great deal. So even if it's quote-unquote just the internet, that can lead to you being able to do everything that you do right now with your TV. And cord cutting, I'm telling you, I was kind of uh, wary of going into it. It was really uh, the missus who decided that we were going to do that or recommended it and said, hey, let's try it out. If we hate it, then we'll we'll go back. We'll, we'll get cable again or whatever. And 
it really wasn't that bad, you know, with the with the advent of programs. And there are other ones out there, but the one that we used was Sling TV. You got live sports, you got live entertainment, you got network shows, you got cable shows. It had literally almost everything that we wanted to see. There were very few things that I was like, ah, I'm really missing out on whatever it is, professional bull riding or curling. Actually, that's not true. NBC Sports was on uh, Sling TV, so I was able to watch curling on there because that's the official network of curling. Thanks for that thumbs up, Jake. See, that's why you need to watch uh, Facebook live broadcast of the show for the first segment uh, at 7.15 every morning because then you get to see Jake's uh, uh, ironic thumbs up that he gives to me with the look of disgust. Yeah, I'm telling you. All the helpful gestures that I give. Yeah. Besmirch the good name of curling one more time and you see what happens. Speaking of besmirching things, there are people who besmirch the VA on a daily basis, Jake. They besmirch it. And Jonathan Kopanger has a great story on ConnectingVets.com about the boneheaded ways people try to scam the VA. (laughs) And how do we know they're boneheaded? Because they done got caught. And there are some really fascinating instances. Some of these we've talked about on the show over the last year, particularly back in the early days when we were doing the three hours every day, starting at 6 a.m. and three of the six segments were news uh, news broadcasts, essentially. We talked about these because they would make the news sometimes, but not all of them. Here's a good one on the healthcare investigation side. A sales rep who served the VA Medical Center in St. Louis, Missouri, pled guilty to making false, fictitious, or fraudulent claims. Between 2012 and 2017, this person submitted 220 false orders, totaling more than $644,000. Those orders were for drill bits and other supplies that were neither requested by nor received at the Jefferson Barracks VA Medical Center in St. Louis. So essentially, this sales rep is charging the government for things that were never ordered and never arrived. Now, that's pretty stupid, but here's where I bet he was thinking. He was probably thinking, well, if they never ordered it, they won't know to check on this. So no one will ever know, and I'll just basically charge them for whatever I want and take the money and walk away. So over five years, he took, I mean, $644,000. You're talking $125,000 a year or somewhere in that vicinity. That is, that's crazy. $125,000 a year, and he got away with it for five years before somebody finally checked. That's the thing. When you hear about these really infuriating uh, stories of people scamming the VA, it's oftentimes long-term. It's not something they got caught the first time. It's something they got away with for a while. Yep. It's greed, man. Here's another one. Vet in Arizona arrested based on charges that he allegedly threatened to shoot VA employees. The investigation was initiated after it was reported that the veteran said, if I have to go home and get a weapon and come back and shoot everybody, then that is what I am going to do person also purportedly tried to throw a service kiosk across the room and allegedly left voicemail threats to other VA employees. There are a Healthy lot of ways things to deal with stress. Yeah. And then there's this. And there are a lot of things at the VA to get angry about. We've talked about my experiences and your experiences before. Uh, you have had more interaction with the VA than me, and you've generally had positive experiences, but then you've also had the negative ones. Like yep. when you showed up for an appointment and were told five minutes before the appointment was supposed to start after you've been waiting for a while, oh, hey, your appointment's been canceled today. Ooh, where was my message ahead of time? Like what happened with that? Or when I showed up and sat there for two hours waiting to be seen and then was told, oh, you never checked in really who was it that signed my name into the book two hours ago (laughs) and then it was able to recount the discussion that the two people were having in that office and then of course every time that i went to the va which i only used for 
I don't know, a couple of years before I got married and switched over to my wife's insurance, um, which was just more convenient for us. It was like pulling teeth to get a prescription. Particularly one that shows up to mind is uh, when I sat there for the two hours waiting for the appointment. That was for an ear infection. I was uh, scuba diving a lot. Something got in there. I got an ear infection, whatever. And while I was waiting for the prescription, I started thinking, huh, am I going to be down here longer than I was up there waiting for the appointment? And it ended up being like an hour and 25 minutes or something like that. So between the appointment itself and getting the uh, prescription of amoxicillin or whatever it was, which is as generic a prescription as it gets. It's not like they have to do something crazy specific about it. It's not like it's uh, it's not like it's fentanyl or codeine or any of those narcotics. It's it's an antibacterial or antibiotic, whatever you want to say. I don't know the difference. Antibiotic, I think, is what it is. But anyway, I, between the two, I waited for over three hours for a 15, 20-minute appointment and then someone to give me a little container of pills and that was unacceptable but you know what i never considered jake what's that i never considered picking up the kiosk that you can sign in on there (laughs) and throwing it at someone i never considered shooting anyone uh it's something that you've got to assume there's a mental health issue going on when someone gets to that level uh, or just someone with some rage issues which those do happen i do remember being at an appointment at the va uh in long island uh northport long island I don't remember what I was there for. It may have been just some sort of checkup or something, but they locked down the uh, the Iraq and Afghanistan vets floor because someone apparently lost their mind and security had to come and tackle them and all that stuff. I mean, this stuff does happen. And uh, unfortunately, in the veteran community, just like in any community, you're de- going to deal with some people who have some issues, whether it's uh, PTSD-related, TBI, whether it is just an angry individual. There are just crazy people out there. And they're going to find a way to do crazy things. Also got another one on there for a registered nurse at a VA in California pleading guilty to elder abuse and computer access fraud. Uh, she was diverting hydromorphone, Percocet, and Benadryl from the facility for her own personal reasons, I guess, and tampered with the center's medication dispensers. Instead of finding hydromorphone, which of course is a big-time painkiller in the dispenser, the FBI found either Benadryl or a water-like substance. So instead of giving patients Percocet, this nurse was also giving them vitamin C. I have taken Percocet. I think when I had my wisdom teeth removed, I think I might have had Percocet. Uh, I have also uh, taken vitamins. They do not do the same thing for you. (laughs) It's slightly different effects from like Percocet or Vicodin and vitamin C. I mean, who doesn't love a good thing? Hey, Shah Chowdhury on there checking it out. Thanks for joining us, Shah. Uh, We do take a look at the comments on there. And of course, uh, Shah is the one of the co-founders of Assault Forward, who uh, the last event I went to, I think I had an Assault Forward lapel pin on my jacket that they dropped off for us and uh, now have. Oh, look at this. Here you go. As you're watching, I have my Assault Forward sticker on my Yeti Tumblr along with Veteran Enhancement Project and a neat little flag with the blue, green, and red stripes on it for the firefighters, I've police, been, and military. I've been using the Assault Forward coffee mug they give me for the last couple of weeks. Ah, there you go. See, sometimes uh, in this line of work, when people come in, they bring little things for you, and uh, we're very appreciative of it. Like the lovely United States Space Force shirt. From American Built that Jake is rocking today. That's a good one. I really do like that shirt. The evolution drawing from, uh, you know, our ape ancestors up through soldiers and into space soldiers, which kind of looks like, uh, what's the one from Metroid? 
uh, uh, Samus around. Samus, yeah, which is actually, wasn't that one, the lady? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I wasn't really a Nintendo guy. My mom just found my uh, old Sega Master System or Genesis. Oh, I had one of those growing up, too. Yeah, I'm not sure. Penguin uh, Land, that was like, my game. You, oh, I remember Penguin Land, pushing the eggs down to the bottom. Yeah, yep. So, without breaking them. So, this story, it's fascinating, and you can check it out at ConnectingVets.com. Benefits Investigations, that's another one, man. Over a 14-year time span, a veteran received more than a half million dollars in service-connected disability benefits for an eye disorder. The veteran was busted when an investigation revealed he had a valid driver's license, often drove, operated heavy machinery, did tasks like yard work, all for getting taxpayer-funded benefits for being blind. Ah. You know what's a good sign that you're not blind? What's that, Eric? When you're driving a car. Oh. Yeah. Although some of the drivers I see on the road, I think they might be blind. Hey, it's <laughs> a good one. Especially the minivan drivers, right? Oh, God. If, if you drive a minivan, you may be a wonderful person. You are not a good driver. It's just a fact. <laughs> we know it. You know, pickup truck drivers are too aggressive. Minivan drivers, I'm, I swear it's like they have a death wish. It's like they, they thought, I'll never drive a minivan. And then... They finally do drive the minivan, and they're like, well, screw it, just going all out, <laughs> swerving all over the roads. Uh, a caregiver pled guilty to wire fraud, pled guilty, not guilty, to wire fraud after taking more than 114000 from a veteran. The defendant became the caregiver for the veteran and helped the vet apply for disability compensation benefits. VA awarded the vet 100% service connection rating, but the caregiver never told the veteran and, in fact, forged the signature on the treasury checks and eventually switched the payment to direct deposit to themselves. <laughs> and it's like, well, they haven't figured it out yet. Maybe I'll just take it one step further. It's almost like someone like that wants to get caught. Here's one that we definitely talked about. The former dean of a New Jersey university and two other individuals pled guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud after they engaged in a conspiracy to defraud VA by fraudulently obtaining tuition assistance and other education-related benefits, essentially GI Bill benefits. All three were ordered to pay restitution of, take a guess, Jake, how much money do you think they took from the government that they had to pay back? A million dollars. Oh, oh, that's that's cute. That's adorable. $24 million. Oh, I, I'm going to say it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the dean and owner of the school each have $700,000 fines that have been levied against them. And here's uh, not the last one in the story, but the last one we're going to go over today. A healthcare executive was found guilty of conspiracy, healthcare fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering after the person owned several Office of Workers Compensation Program clinics in the U.S. And starting in 2011, started billing multiple federal agencies for claims and services that were never rendered. <laughs> The defendant was sentenced to 19 years and five months and was ordered to pay restitution of 14 million. So not quite as much as 24 million in GI Bill benefits. But the common theme there is, well, a couple of things. One, as you'll learn if you watch Live PD, our favorite show on A&E that my wife and I sit there and watch every Friday and Saturday night, uh, dumb criminals are the ones that get caught. The smart criminals, they don't catch them. First off, if you commit a crime, I have one, uh, two recommendations for you. First one, uh, don't commit crimes. Of course. Second one, if you do, obey basic traffic laws. Turn, use your turn signal. Uh, hit the brakes and come to a complete stop at a red light or a stop sign. That's almost always how they catch the bad guys unless it's something really serious. But the, the common thread of the stupidity of criminals here, I mean... Billing a, a VA medical center for $700,000 worth of services that no one ordered and were never provided, and, and it being something that's trackable. Hey, I sold you $700,000 worth of drill bits. 
okay, that's a lot of drill bits. Let's go look. Anybody see any drill bits around here? <laughs> no? Huh. I think this guy might have actually been scamming us. So you can check out that story and read the details and so much more over at ConnectingVets.com. And, of course, also check us out on social media where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. One little click of your phone or tap on your mouse or the other way around, and you can be living your best veteran life. As we finish up the first segment here before moving on, and we're going to talk to the American Legion's Matt Schumann and AP. We're also going to talk to GORUCK founder and former Green Beret Jason McCarthy and IAVA's Tom Porter in a full show today. Let's talk about the Marine Corps here for just a little bit. Marines, of course, pride themselves on physical fitness, Jake. There was uh, a Marine Corps officer on board the USS Saipan, Captain Rose, combat cargo officer, prior enlisted and then warrant officer and then commissioned officer, who yelled at somebody about not getting their surface warfare pin, said, that's like a Marine failing his PRT. Well, the Marine Corps is changing the PRT a little bit, where for the first time, they're going to offer an alternative to running, and that is 5,000 meters on a rowing machine. You're going to have to prove that you need to do it and that you can't run. And as someone who for a time in the Navy had to do that, I had a back and hip issue after a car accident that made running uh, up to about a mile okay. After I got past a mile, my hip would just lock up on me. So I ended up doing the uh, stationary bike for a while and then going back to the run and all that good stuff. But it's pretty interesting that the Marine Corps is actually budging a little bit on the fitness test, which is something that they have held near and dear to their hearts. When you're a Marine, there's a couple things you love. PT, rifles, and the Marine Corps. Crayons. Well, that's true. Well, that's that's more of a delicacy than an everyday thing, though, right? <laughs> They're not eating crayons every day. We are here in the morning briefing studios. And again, coming up next, we've got the American Legion. We're going to talk to them about some crazy cool programs out in Arizona where it's always crazy hot. Jason McCarthy, founder of Go Ruck, about his Walk of America experience down there in Jacksonville, Florida. And then later on, Tom Porter of IAVA talking legislation and more. It's the morning briefing Wednesday edition. Back after this. We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets. Welcome back to the morning briefing on Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day is our slogan, and you know what? It's what we do. And you know why we do it? It's because each and every member of our team knows what it's like to have served in uniform and knows what it's like to have taken that uniform off for the last time. Look at me and Jake, the producer of the show. 13 years in the Navy for me, 13 years in the Army for Jake. Both E6s put us together. We're a 26-year E12, which means we essentially run the entire United States military, right? Of course. I digress. Our team of veterans is doing what they can, working tirelessly every day to get the content up on that website that will educate, that will inform, and that may even entertain you, our audience, the veteran and veteran-adjacent communities. So follow us on ConnectingVets.com and also follow us on social media. We are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. One little click of your mouse or tap on your phone and you will be living your best veteran life. Our next guests are representing the American Legion. We have the American Legion on every week, every Wednesday. And we've had Matt Schumann on the show several times before. And today, one more of those. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing today? Splendid, sir. Good morning to you. You're not wearing a bow tie, which anyone who's listened before knows is <laughs> upsetting to me. Congress is in recess, therefore I can not wear a tie. 
you don't have to wear a bow tie. Okay, so now we have the reasoning behind that. Let's move on because our next guest is a very special legionnaire. His name is Alan Powell, goes by the name AP. He's out in Arizona and runs an organization called Heropreneur that's doing some amazing things to help veteran entrepreneurs and joins us on the show for the first time. So AP, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning to you and Matthew, Mr. Schumann. Of course. And of course, you're just as surprised that he's not wearing a bow tie right now, too, aren't you? I mean, I figured he sleeps in the things. Well, he just got through doing some PT, so that's probably why. Yes, yes. PT was definitely the reason for the bow tie. So AP, of course, member of the American Legion, a veteran of the military. Give us the Cliff's notes of your military service. You know, where you're from, when you joined, and what you did while you were serving. Uh, I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky. I served in uh, Desert Storm. I actually went over and deployed from Fort Benning, Georgia. I was with the 533rd Trans attached to the 1st and 12th Cav, and I actually stayed in the military approximately three years, and I also played a little all-army basketball while I was in the military. Ah, there you go. That's always one of those interesting things to hear. Like, I knew people who played for the Navy baseball team for a year. They just got to go play baseball for a year while they were serving in uniform. So what was the experience of playing basketball for the Army like for you, AP? I think it was, I mean, it was very competitive. You have some of the best athletes in the world that join the military. I mean, I guess you've seen over uh, over history a lot of guys on the Olympics, Olympic teams in boxing, but basketball has some great players also. And, I mean, it was very competitive, and uh, it's, a, it's a great sport. Uh, it actually paid my way through college, and so I got to play a little bit in the military, which was I got to play with some, some great athletes that probably played a little college ball and played semi-pro ball, and they all joined the military for different reasons to serve the country. Of course, you serve in the Army for three years. You uh, play a little basketball. You get out. What do you remember about that point of time in life when you go from being, you know, regular member of the Army to veteran of the Army? What was that time like for you, AP? I'll tell you, uh, for me, I, I, it's, it's changed dramatically. Uh, I hear all the stories, but I think now that uh, patriotism is a priority. When I exited the military, I don't think there was uh, as many opportunities as there is to now for veterans. You have organizations like the American Legion and who advocate to make sure that veterans get everything they need to get. Uh, but I just think it's definitely at an all-time high about patriotism and actually uh, giving back to those who serve their country. And what was your career path like after you exited the Army? What was it that you did, and how did you find your way to getting where you are today? I actually found my way. I actually uh, started off uh, when I exited the military. I couldn't. I, I applied to be a firefighter and a police officer, and they had a hiring freeze. So I actually got into the sports management business. I worked for a gentleman out of Cincinnati, and we actually built a pretty dominant sports sports agency representing professional athletes. And then from there, I actually found my way to uh, Los Angeles, California, and I was a the senior vice president of a company called The Firm at the time. We managed about eighty percent of Hollywood. Uh, most of your A-list stars, and from there I actually went into the hip-hop business, and I actually had a big partnership and label deal with Universal Records and did one of the premier deals in the history of the South. And then from there I actually got out and started being more of an entrepreneur. And, of course, entrepreneurship is what Heropreneur is all about. You're an entrepreneur yourself. Tell me, where did the idea for Heropreneur came from, and give us a little background on what it is that the organization aims to do. Well, I think one of the things we wanted to do, and after long conversations with people in the military, I think one of the things we wanted to do is make sure when veterans, when a, a military guy was ex in the military, we extended opportunities for him to either start his own company or his own business. A lot of times, uh, people don't feel like they have access to opportunities, so we wanted to figure out a way to create a model 
to help guys have that. So uh, Heropreneur is actually about entrepreneurship, employment, and education. And it's powered by uh, an organization that we created called Herozona, which is our mission statement is empowering America's veterans through entrepreneurship, employment, and education. And how exactly do you do that? I mean, when you hear people use the word empower, that's that's a great word, but it can mean a lot of different things. So how exactly does Heropreneur go about empowering those veterans to be successful entrepreneurs? So we have several different programs. One of the things we actually, we, we're bringing in some keynote speakers this year. We're actually bringing in Damon John who is a keynote speaker, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with Damon, but he actually cares a lot about the troops, and he's actually signed on, and he is uh, one of the members of Shark Tank, uh, one of the faces of Shark Tank, and he is the people shark, so he's actually going to come in and speak to our vets about how they start their own company. We've also partnered with VetFran, which is a subsidiary of IFA, and they offer about 650 franchises to veterans, and they're actually going to come in and show veterans how to start their own, how, to, how maybe to start a franchise, and actually walk them through workshops. And then we have the education piece where we'll be showing uh, veterans all the tools and things that they need and how they can sharpen their skills on the education side. And we've got partnerships from ASU, Arizona State University, University of Phoenix, uh, pretty much all your major universities in the state of Arizona uh, are actually stepping up to help us with that to do workshops. We're speaking with Alan A.P. Powell from the American Legion, as well as Matt Schumann from the Legion. And Matt, you know, when we talk about success for veterans and entrepreneurship, you work on the legislative side, but uh, success isn't something that you can legislate into being. It takes people like A.P. and organizations like HeroZona and Heropreneur to help them out. How important do you think what A.P. is doing for the veteran community? You know, I I think it speaks volumes. There are two million members of the American Legion and when you find out about legionnaires like this that are doing epic and awesome things, we have to share that. Um, you're absolutely right. We can't legislate success. We can legislate tools for success, right? We can create the transition assistance program and, and bring people like Damon John in to speak and be able to teach them. But when you see other veterans, you know, stepping up and doing things for their brothers and sisters in arms and, and creating Hero Panor and putting their own financial resources and their own network to that, that speaks volumes. So I, I think Hero Panor uh, and, and similar programs are doing the right thing and just trying to you know fill the fill the crevices to make sure that veterans uh, transition and are very successful. When veterans own businesses, they are a lot more productive and a lot more successful. We need to get more of them. AP, when you think about the fact that you've had so much success, your career in Hollywood, your career in music, uh, your career afterwards as an entrepreneur as well, what was it that made you want to do this? What was it that made you decide we need to help veteran entrepreneurs specifically? Because, I, I mean, I live in Arizona, and we approximately have probably about 640,000 vets are in our state. Uh, during peak season, we have probably a million. We have five military installations. And we have a program here that's pretty unique called SkillBridge, which uh, Matt is familiar with. And it kind of got me excited because it's one of the few programs in the country. If you're exiting the military, you have 180 days left. It actually uh, helps you secure a, a career. So instead of just getting a job, you can actually come work. If you wanted to be in radio, uh, the military would pay for you for your last 180 days, and a guy could come work for the radio station if that's what he wanted to be in broadcasting when he exited the military. 
And at the end of his tenure, you can either offer him a job or give him a letter of recommendation. That's one of the things that got me excited. So I actually sat down initially uh, when we was talking. It was we had a conversation between me, Senator McCain, our governor, our director of veteran services, uh, Wanda Wright, and also our mayor at the time, Mayor Greg Stanton. And we figured out Arizona is a melting pot for veterans. What can we do to create a destination for vets to want to come to Arizona? And we have all the missile defense companies in our state uh, because they do so much testing in Arizona. And we have the great weather. Uh, one of the things we've also had partnerships with the NBA. They've partnered with us to extend our opportunities to vets to come to the games. And last year we had the Heroes on the Game with the Phoenix Suns. And it's just been a uh, well-rounded, um, uh, well-rounded camaraderie with everybody in our state to make uh, things like this successful. And, of course, when you're talking about bringing in people like Damon from Shark Tank, of course, the founder of FUBU as well, an incredibly successful individual, you talk about bringing all these things in, the Phoenix Suns, all the using uh, the connections that you've made over your career. Would you like to see more of the veterans who found the kind of success that you have uh, use those connections and those contacts that they've made to help out the veteran community? Uh, yeah, I definitely would. I mean, even like uh, this year also, we have uh, Colonel Justin Constantine, the Marine, I know you know who... Uh, had a major tragedy and he was kind of put back together. He's almost, I call him the bionic man and he's uh, one of our keynote speakers. But just in Arizona, a lot of times people don't know the success of veterans. Just in Arizona, we had uh, Bruce Halley, let him rest in peace. Bruce was the founder of Discount Tires. He was a Marine veteran and aviator. Uh, you had Ed Robeson, who is, owns uh, Robeson Retirement Communities, one of the largest retirement builders in the country. He's a Marine veteran. You have Bob Parsons, who lives here in Arizona, founder of GoDaddy. He's a Marine veteran. Uh, you just you Artie Moreno who owns the Angels, the Anaheim Angels. He's a Vietnam Army veteran. I can just go on and on and on. So you hear these success stories and what's, what's great about, about all these veterans. What's great and about people that don't even that, know that these guys were vets and absolutely. these guys. Most of these guys are successful because of their career in the military. It gave them the discipline and the channels to succeed once they exit the military. And what's great about this, uh, Eric, is that AP is, is is you know these people are your AP's friends and he's. It's not much leveraging to get them involved. He sits down and says, "Hey, this is what we're doing," and they are they're banging on his door to get involved and help um, in, in multiple ways. So this is you know AP is doing a phenomenal job at leveraging his network uh, to benefit veterans. And and add, to your point, we need to see more veterans uh, who are successful do exactly this. You know, and through some of my work that I've been able to do, I've been able to work with some professional athletes and things like that. And if if they like you and you make a good connection, yeah. sometimes down the road I've been like, hey, would you mind doing this uh, yeah. for a friend of mine who's helping out? There are a lot of people who are willing to do that when they know that they're not being taken advantage of. Exactly. Do you think that's an important aspect of it, AP, when it comes to you know CEOs and celebrities and people like that, for them to have that trust in you? Does that make it uh, easier for you to get done what you want to get done through HeroZona, Heropreneur, and your other Programs? Yes, it does. And, uh, you know, I, I, you're actually right. I think it plays a big part. But also, I think one of the key things that I don't want to overlook is the reason why people look at the American Legions and you look at the different VSOs and why they're so important. They have information. I've learned so much from Matt, and I'm a veteran, and I thought I, I, thought I knew a lot. But it's a lot I didn't know. Like, I, I'm one of the few people I didn't even know that, um, and I think it's 1942, Matt can correct me if I'm wrong, they actually created the GI Bill. Uh, how many veterans know that? Did the American Legion create the original GI Bill? Yeah. Well, you were pretty close, though. 44, I think, was the year that it was created, right, yeah. Matt? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I knew that forever. I didn't totally learn that from the American Legion over the last <laughs> year. I just I just have an innate knowledge of all this stuff, of course. Yeah, but. I mean, just look at all the legislation and stuff. I mean, that's one of the things I think veterans, they have more information. Yeah. They have more education, more opportunity. They become entrepreneurs because just in Arizona, 
We're at a 2.9 percent. I don't know what it is across the country at an all-time low in hiring. So the economy is booming in Arizona, but our veterans are looking to start their own companies. They want to work for themselves. They still need education so they know how to run a company, but they need those channels and those relationships. Like, you know, you got people here in Arizona, Jerry Moisey on Swift Trucking. Jerry's going to partner with us this year. He wants to show veterans how they can own their own truck and be an owner-operator. You have Navy Federal Credit Union coming in to actually train people how to get the financing to start their own company. I mean, everybody's on board, but we just want to make sure that veterans take advantage. And then we want to make sure student veterans have these have have access to these opportunities also. So it's, it's this, this is where we at with entrepreneurship, employment, and education. You know, there's another, and bringing it back to the policy and legislation side, Senator Jerry Moran, who's on the Senate Veteran Affairs Committee, um, had put a bill forward that uh, would create a pilot program that would allow roughly about 250 veterans into the pilot program. They could use their GI Bill funds instead of going to college. They could use it to expand, buy, um, or build a business. Uh, and it's particularly awesome. And, and so we're we've been working on that piece of legislation with them, and hopefully we can get that get that moving along. There is a legislative aspect to it, of course. I mean, yeah. you need people like AP doing what they're doing, but then you also need the VSOs like the Legion uh, willing to make it easier for organizations like Heropreneur to operate. So you can't legislate the outcome. You can't right. legislate the success of the individual, but there are pieces of legislation that can help assist people who are trying to assist right. the individual veterans. So it's important to look at all aspects of that. We're speaking with Alan AP Powell, an American Legionnaire from Arizona. He runs Heropreneur. We're also speaking to Matt Schumann from the Legion, who works on the legislative side of the House over there. And AP, another thing that Matt tells me you're involved in is actually helping provide backpacks to school children who might be struggling each year. 15,000 backpacks that the Legion is getting out there. Tell me how you became to uh, get involved with that program. We started that program with a gentleman who raised me up. He actually is uh, one of the guys that is uh, the face of the American Legion here in South Phoenix, post-65. And he actually said, AP, we need to do something for the students here in, in the programming side. So we actually started the backpack drive at the American Legion in, in uh, Phoenix, and it got so big we had to move it to the community college. And this year we serviced 15,000. The Legion, we were servicing about 7,000. And this year we also added college readiness workshops with ASU and Maricopa Community Colleges, which is one of the largest community college systems in the country. And we're did, we started doing college readiness with veterans helping out doing college readiness for, uh, high, I mean, for 7th and 8th graders getting them ready for college early. And it's one of those things that I think, you know, as the parent of a son who's about to start kindergarten, I, my family hasn't had to think about, so I haven't had to think about it too much, but there are children out there who are struggling, don't have, you know, in cold weather climates, don't have a jacket to go to school, don't have a book bag to bring their, their school supplies to school in. Uh, there are many veterans who find success afterwards. There are veterans who struggle as well. I mean, this is a problem that's going to affect veteran families, non-veteran families, but it's great to hear about veterans getting involved in it. And if people are wondering uh, if there's something in their neck of the woods or wanting to start something like that, how would you recommend they go about doing that, AP? I think, I mean, uh, the first thing is I guess your heart has to be in the right place. And if your heart's in the right place, I just think you find people who think like you. Initially with me, I found people who thought like I did. And I got a bunch of veterans, and we all kind of put our heads together. And I said I would put some skin in the game. And sometimes it doesn't have to be money. It can be sweat equity. And you get some people that really want to make something work. You can you can have a finished product pretty quick. So for us, it really went well because I had a bunch of veteran participation. They all showed up, and the vets felt good about giving back to the community. 
And, you know, so one of the programs that we actually had, and I don't know if Matt mentioned to you that really got all this started, we have a program in Arizona that we created called Veterans Reach to Teach. Veterans who served our country now serve our classrooms. So what we would do is we would take veterans and try to put them in a classroom because they had a compelling story for our youth, So especially not- our inner city youth. So actually working as teachers or just going in as guest speakers in the classroom? Going in as a substitute teachers and sometimes turns into full-time. But we just thought that since they took a lot of civics out of a lot of schools, uh, we just thought this would be a real compelling story. And we had support from um, uh, the education systems, and they actually supported it. And our governor, we had about a void of about 1,500 vacancies. So we thought this was a way to fill the vacancies, putting veterans in the classroom. You know, I, I, when I was in school, I graduated high school in the, in the late 90s. Uh, I don't think it's changed much. Uh, there's not a lot of talk about the modern veteran and modern warfare and all that stuff in history classes, unless you're in some advanced classes. Oftentimes you're repeating uh, the revolution and the Civil War, maybe getting up to the 20th century. So uh, that seems like it would be a, a good idea to have veterans to be able in the cl- to be in the classrooms and talk about their experiences firsthand to students that may not be hearing too much about us. Is that a worry of yours, that, that students these days and young people these days uh, don't don't hear too much from veterans directly i think it, i think it is they don't hear too much from veterans but i think now the respect for veterans hit uh, i mean it's on an all-time high but i think a lot of times people just say oh i served my country or he served his country or he was a veteran but i think now being a veteran really means a lot to the community because you're seeing so many veterans get out in the community i mean just like this is a, a special year uh, a lot of people don't know this. This is the 100th year anniversary of Veterans Day and the 100th year uh, anniversary of the American Legion. Right. It's, a, it's an important year historically and one that I don't think enough people know about. So anything that we can do to educate them and inform them is fantastic. Also fantastic, the work that Alan A.P. Powell is doing out in the great state of Arizona for the veterans out there. A.P., is there any way or any plan to have the program like Heropreneur expand to other states, whether it's in the southwest region or nationwide, or, or are there too many barricades keeping you from being able to do that? No, we actually, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to create Heropreneur, and we're actually going to move it around the country. Actually, uh, we talked to Matthew about this. We had to think about doing one in D.C., uh, maybe at the next year. Uh, this will be the second year of this one, but think about coming to D.C. And if anybody wants to see what a Heropreneur uh, is all about, they can go to either Herozona.com, H-E-R-O-Z-O-N-A.com, or Heropreneur, which is somewhat hard to spell sometimes, but it's H-E-R-O. P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com, but we just, we just kept the com because it's easy for people to access. Well, there you go. And people can reach out directly to the good folks at Herozona and Heropreneur to find out more about those programs. And AP, if they're interested in, you know, trying to get you guys to come to town where they are, let's say they're up in, I don't know, Minneapolis or Los Angeles or someplace and they want Heropreneur to come there. Is that something you'd be interested in hearing from the uh, the people out there? We'd love to hear from them. I mean, one thing we we don't we this the one thing we've learned when we put this put this um, content together, uh, it's it can be exercised by anybody. I mean, it, the whole goal is is make sure how many, we reach any veteran is that needs help. And if it's in Minnesota, if it's in Louisville, Kentucky, if it's in California, we welcome with open arms anybody who wants to activate this content in their state. Well, there you go. Now, Matt Schumann, it is a quiet time legislatively in Washington, D.C., and as we finish up here in our last couple of minutes, uh, when Congress starts doing a little bit more work, when they all get back here, when they're doing their thing, what are some things that veterans should be keeping on their radar in the near future on the congressional level? Yeah, well, you know, what's really interesting is the House Veteran Affairs Committee um, 
just created the IT uh, subcommittee, which is pretty great, and it's a step in the right direction towards the 21st century. Um, I'm not one to say that the House of Representatives is always at the <laughs> at the cusp of technology, um, but in terms of of the VA really getting into the space of the electronic health record, uh, that committee is going to start having some sort of um, oversight and, and investigation into how the process is going. Um, Shifting to the Senate, there's a couple of confirmations that they still need to get on underway, you know, improve, approving the assistant secretary for the Department of Labor Vets, which is the Department of Labor's office who focuses on veterans employment and training services. Um, also, you know, a big thing is Blue Water Navy. There's there's this bill that was just moved through the House and the Senate had a hearing on it. And it's really for those veterans who um, were on naval vessels more than 12 miles off the coast of Vietnam who were exposed to Agent Orange. Um, and so hopefully we can get that bill through. That's really important to the American Legion um, and to, and to you know, thousands of veterans who have been impacted by this and their families, right? I mean, this right. stuff is you know genetically passed on. Um, it, it's not great. So those are some of the things that we're focusing on. Of course, it's still election season. Uh, Congress will be focused on that, uh, but we are here to hold them accountable and make sure that they vote and do the right thing for veterans every single day. It's an interesting, going to be an interesting election season and particularly interesting for those watching the veterans running for office out there. Right. We've had people like Ken Harbaugh, Dan Crenshaw. There's an example of a Democrat and a Republican yeah. in two different states. There are a lot of veterans running for office out there, uh, many of whom are kind of positing themselves as a moderate solution to right. the uh, craziness that seems to be happening in well, politics these days. It's, it's, let me just tell, like from the bottom of my heart, my heart smiles when I hear of a of a veteran running for Congress. Um, even if they're in a different political party than me personally, I love it. And I love it so much because Congress is, has such a low percentage of members of Congress who are veterans. Yeah. Um, let's get it back up. Let's get those numbers boosting out. Right. You know, it, we saw this after world war one, world war two, right? Congress boosts oh, it afterwards. In the 70s at some and point so let's get it back there. Let's, when Congress is actually voting on, you know, like President signed the NDAA yesterday, right? Increases pay for troops. When when Congress is thinking about and, and working on legislation like that, it should be veterans at the table. It makes sense, Eric. Yeah. And when you're talking about authorizing uh, military actions, yeah. Uh, when I think of people like Ken Harbaugh and Dan Crenshaw, again, right. just to use two examples on different parties, uh, there's nobody I'd rather have making decisions right. than those two gentlemen. You look at somebody like right. Congressman Brian Mass of Florida, right? Yeah. Double amputee. Uh, just all around, you know, bad, bad guy, right? He is awesome. No, no, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's, he's a good a, guy. He's a, he's there, a, well, there's another word I want to say. Man. There's another word <laughs> yeah, I want to say that follows the word bad, good but guy, it's, we're bad on the radio. Man. We're on the radio. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you look at it like, I want that guy talking about tanks. I want that guy talking about the the, the armor that our troops are going to wear down seas or you know, down range. I want that guy, you know, talking about, you know, we don't deserve a 2% raise. We deserve a 4% raise. And, and I want that guy talking to Congress. Oh, whichever part Look at that, Matt. We, we know veterans are nonpartisan. And Matt, you know, you are, you're Arizona Matt, I don't know if Matt, you knew that, but Matt is from Scottsdale, Arizona. But we have uh, some. We have two uh, Congress, Congress, a Congresswoman and a Congressman that actually have been very supportive of what we do for veterans in our state. And that's Congresswoman Martha McSally, who was an Air Force fighter pilot, and and the Congresswoman, I mean Congressman Ruben Gallego, who's a Marine combat veteran. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you got these guys doing great work all over the place. You do, and no matter which party you uh, personally prefer, get out there and vote. And Absolutely. if there's a veteran out there who you believe in, then definitely, you know, put your voice behind right. them. You've been uh, listening to our segment with the American Legion here on the Morning Briefing. We've been joined by Matt Schumann and Alan AP Powell. Matt and especially AP, thank you so much for your time today. We we really appreciate it. And more importantly, I appreciate the great work that you're doing out there with Heropreneur in Arizona. Well, let everybody know if they want to come out to Arizona, if you're a veteran and you're coming out for our conference, 
Uh, our good friends at Marriott made rooms $99 a night during peak season for you to attend, attend uh, Arizona Conference, Europe North Conference. Hey, when, when is that again, AP? What's the dates? That is November um, November 14th to the 16th. Perfect. Right, so right after yeah. uh, right after Veterans Day. That's right. That's there right. you go. If anybody yeah. wants to come out, come on out, enjoy the weather. It'll be about 80 degrees. Yeah, bring your sunscreen. <laughs> Even in November in Arizona, always bring sunscreen. All right, gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great one. Helping military veterans stay connected. We make it easy. We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets. Welcome back to the morning briefing from Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets Every Day is our slogan, and it's what we do. And I'll tell you why we do it. Because each and every member of our team knows what it's like to have worn the uniform, and just as importantly, knows what it's like to take it off that last time. That's why each and every day our team of vets is working tirelessly to provide content that we think can benefit and inform those in and around the veteran community. And all you need to do is go to ConnectingVets.com to take advantage of all that hard work. Or follow us on social media. We are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Our next guest is returning to the show. He stopped by before to talk to us about an amazing event that he was uh, hosting here in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Of course, he is the founder of Go Ruck, former Green Beret Jason McCarthy. Jason, good morning. How are you today? I'm great. Great to be on your show again. Well, it's it's been a lot going on with GORUCK, of course. You had the 50-miler here in Washington, D.C. that you guys were doing, which, uh, as I understand, went incredibly well. Uh, you've been doing other events. GORUCK's still an incredibly successful company. But we want to talk to you about one specific thing you did, and that took place down in Jacksonville, Florida, as I understand it, a place that I'm very familiar with. And you are as well, as GORUCK is based down there, isn't it? Very, very true story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys are down in Jacksonville Beach. <laughs> Someone, and- someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's warm year round. It's you know, lots of sun. It's uh, pretty, pretty fortunate down here. You know, Jacksonville Beach is not a horrible place to be. I lived in Orange Park, which was, uh, well, like everything in Jacksonville, about 30 minutes from the beach. It's a weird place where distance <laughs> doesn't seem to matter. Everything is 30 minutes away from everything else. <laughs> but you were down there and uh, other former guests of the show, the good folks from Walk of America. For those who don't know, it's an expedition launched in June. It'll end next month in September. Six wounded warriors, three from the United States and three from the United Kingdom, They're walking 1,000 miles in 12 weeks from the west to the east coast. Jason, walking, marching, rucking, that's kind of your thing. You actually took part in uh, what Walk of America was doing down there in Jacksonville. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we were really fortunate. So they had done a lot of coordination, and, you know, they had linked up with Wounded Warrior Project, who's also a a Jacksonville town. Coincidentally, they're about 30 minutes from our office. (laughs) And, uh... And they had linked up with them, and we've been good friends with the Wounded Warrior folks, specifically General Lennington, who's their CEO for, for years and years now. And we just kind of, the three of us, figured out that we could, we could team forces a little bit better. And so GORUCK, we, we're used to running events, so we just hosted everyone out of our, our spot, our event space. And, you know, we got between five and ten miles out on the beach with 
you know, a lot of veterans who were out and, and the six wounded. And, you know, the, the, their point in all of this was to raise awareness for, you know, what it means to serve and also the, the wounds that come from war and, and the idea that that crosses uh, across the ocean. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't just us in Iraq. It wasn't just us in, in Afghanistan. And, you know, I was fortunate to, to fight beside the, the Brits and the Kiwis and, and uh, a lot of other multinational forces. And, you know, they were, it's like they were just part of our team because they were. And so it's, it, it was just really cool to, to see their perspective and just to remember that because these days it gets pretty easy to start thinking that it's, it's us versus the world or, you know, the world order is crumbling and, and ultimately everything comes down to the people. And these people were great. It was very easy to talk with them. You know, everyone was just talking. And yeah. that's really what, that's really what it's all about. You know, when we talked to Adele Lohr, who's one of the veterans on that, she is a retired master sergeant, U.S. Air Force, uh, wounded in action. She talked about how some of her favorite parts of what they were doing were the moments when it was just the six of them walking along and talking and getting to know each other. That's something that I think we we often don't think about. When I think about the possibility of going out and uh, going for a run or going for a walk, maybe with someone, there's kind of a camaraderie that can be built along that. So it's not just good for you, but also, uh, you know, good for learning about yourself and learning about other people, don't you think? I mean, I think that's exactly right. I mean, look, the, the purpose of the purpose of doing a lot of training in the military outside of the military is as much about the camaraderie that you get with the people next to you as it is about, you know, about getting bigger pack muscles. I mean, it's not really the point. The point is to be a part of a, of a community. The point is to, to, you know, be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so that, that's exactly what I think it's about. Sure. They can raise some money, right. They can raise some awareness and, and ultimately the awareness part is I think more important than even the money, because you get people that, that will better understand what actually went on what's going on and, and it sort of demystifies it a little bit because it can be intimidating to say oh this person served in iraq this person served in afghanistan and, and there's a bit of a stigma at times attached to that and and that's not that's not a great thing for anyone you know once you actually start meeting people and talking to them it it, it can change we're speaking with Jason McCarthy, former Green Beret and founder of Go Ruck, the incredibly successful uh, bag company. They've made these incredible rucksacks and, and now are also heavily involved in Go Ruck events like the 50-mile challenge that they had here in Washington, D.C., and just hosted, as he was telling us, the Walk of America team, which includes three English veterans, three American veterans. The English are Kev Carr, Kemsley Whittlesey, and Johnny Burns. Then we have Larry Hinkle, Adele Lohr, and Frankie Perez, the three Americans on the team. Jason, what was your biggest takeaway from meeting those six veterans and the people that came out to support them? I mean, ultimately, the, the sense of community is, is a lot bigger than, than we give ourselves credit for. Right. I mean, it, it's it's if you've served, you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. If you serve in your community, you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself in, in the community. And if you ask for help, people are there. And so I think ultimately that's the spirit of what this crew is trying to, to, to do is just to get people out and get people together and, and raise awareness for for the guys. And yes, there there are you know, it's not all it's not all roses. Right. I mean, there are serious issues. And I heard a couple, I heard two specific stories, one talking about how a wounded warrior project program had saved his life and another talking about how 
getting involved in the go ruck community had saved his life. And, and then there's sort of cross population with, you know, like finds like. And so, you know, it's, it's just ultimately anything that leads to a bigger community and a sense of, of belonging is a really, really positive step. It doesn't involve cash handouts per se. It doesn't, it doesn't involve a lot of the metrics that we might associate with, with success. Well, success is something Jason McCarthy knows quite a bit about as the founder and CEO of Go Ruck. When you look at events like Walk of America, uh, you know, these six veterans are bringing a lot of attention to these issues. There are many others out there who would like to do something like that or who would like to engage in that community that you talk about. What would you recommend people do if they're looking to try and get, you know, more involved on that kind of a level? I mean, look, I think everything starts small. This didn't happen overnight. This was you know, years and years and years and years of planning that, that led them to this walk of America. And so, you know, I think everything starts in your own community. That might mean your own garage. It might mean your, your gym where you work out with other people. It might mean, it might mean your neighbor, you know, the guy that you've never talked to that, that, you know, you fill in the blank, right? We all have those people. And it, it can be as simple as, hey, do you want to go do something? Or, hey, there's a rut club. Let's, I'm going to actually show up. Or, hey, these people are getting together and doing something more physical and more active, and I want to be a part of that. And that's when you're not doing that, it can sound daunting to sort of show up to anything. But once you do it once, it's like anything. You do it once, it's, your, your bar is now a lot higher. Of course, the Walk of America team is working their way across the country, and they're not done yet. They're finishing up in September, so still about a month left. They're going to be in a bunch of different locations. Would you recommend uh, to people to go out and support them and join in their walk uh, if they're coming through their area? I would recommend that, that everyone shows up and bring all your friends. There you go. And that's absolutely what you should do there. And if you're interested in finding out exactly where they're going to be, you can go to their website. You can go to www.org.uk. That's the Walking with the Wounded website. They're the ones who are sponsoring Walk of America. Uh, Today, they are in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, it looks like. Looks like they'll be in Rock Hill on... uh, no, actually, today they're in the Citadel in Charleston. They'll be in Columbia tomorrow, Rock Hill. So they're working their way up the East Coast. Eventually, they'll be in Washington, D.C. And then New York City is where they finish on the 6th of September. Speaking of New York City, Jason, recently a pretty big announcement was made that you are going to be involved in one of the biggest parades in the country in the Big Apple. Tell us about how you were named Graham Marshall and what that feels like getting ready for that. Yeah, I think they sort of ran out of all the other available candidates. And so, you know, they kept they kept knocking off the list. And then there I was sitting at the very bottom and they were, they were really desperate. And so, you know, there I was. And of course, of course, I'm available then. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's a real honor to get up to New York City for, for that kind of a significant event. And very proud to, to do it with Flo and Mike Irwin and and uh, all the hundreds and maybe thousands of other people that will be there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Veterans Day parade in New York City is a huge deal. And while you joke that they ran out of everybody, you know, it, it's it's a big honor to be chosen for that. But it also shows that, you know, I think you've done a lot for the veteran community. And, and is it nice to see that recognized? And, and obviously, it's not just you. It's the entire team at Go Records doing that. But how does it feel to have that recognized in such a major way? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. it's, it's not just me and it's not about us, really. It really is about 
the the mission and, and the community, and I mean the community of veterans and, and our role within America. And all those, those are the really kind of trite, maybe a little cheesy sounding things, but those are the values that we hold dear. So we, we want to we raise awareness for, for that kind of stuff, service, you know, love of country, duty, honor, stuff like that. And, and the hopes is that we can help inspire a lot more people, not, not only to serve in the military, not only to sort of be thankful of those who serve in the military, but to find whatever your, your sort of call services and listen to it and then pursue it. Now, are you practicing the wave that you'll be giving to the crowd as you're riding in the vehicle? Or are you going to be riding in a vehicle or in go ruck, true go ruck fashion? Are you going to be rucking through the Veterans Day Parade in Manhattan? Yeah, I expect fully to have a rucksack on my back. That's, ah. that's, uh, I think that's one of the conditions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that is going to be a fantastic thing. Of course, that is taking place on Veterans Day in New York City. You'll be able to see Jason McCarthy leading the parade up there as the Grand Marshal of the Veterans Parade in New York City. Jason, if people want to find out more about Go Ruck, where can they go to do that to find out about the upcoming events and find out about all the great gear that you guys have? Yeah, thanks. So from the beginning, it's been goruck.com, G-O-R-U-C-K.com. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff on there, gear, events, apparel, footwear, take your pick. But ultimately, it's it's the the best part about goruck really is the people. And that's what we've heard from people who've been involved in these uh, the Go Ruck challenges in the in the fifty mile course that you did in Washington D.C. Yeah, so, that one was brutal, by the way. Oh, I heard <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I saw pictures of it, I was thinking of going out and uh, and maybe uh, checking it out that morning. I had family stuff keep me from it. I'm actually kind of thankful because that one was a, looked like it was a little difficult, but people still look like they had a great time out there. Even even it was, when it, it's miserable, it awesome. people are having a great time, aren't they? Well, that's the great irony, right? I mean, all those veterans especially get this. I mean, all those things that you thought were so miserable. I mean, what makes you smile more than those now? Probably nothing. I mean, oh, man, there we were, and it was terrible. And, and we is, is the important word in that sentence. Mm. You know, oh, man, we were, we were there, and First Sergeant did this, and First Sergeant <laughs> did that. And we were up all night and digging, digging fighting positions and whatever. Take your pick, right? And, and those are the times that that really bring you together with other people and, and you just think really fondly about them. So there's a, there's a fair amount of that that goes on at any go ruck event. Well, and go ruck events are taking place across the country. Go to go ruck.com to find out exactly where they'll be. And if they're in your neck of the woods and you want to test yourself out, Jason and the good folks at go ruck, they're more than happy to help you do so. Jason, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much to you and the, and the veteran community out there. And we now welcome Phil Bird Dog Briggs into the ConnectingVets.com morning briefing studio. Bird Dog, how you doing today? I do. Good did, to see you, man. Did, did you have a good weekend? I did. We just I turned did. into a morning zoo show for like 30 seconds. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Bird Dog in the butt. Ding, 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 ding. Winner. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, a good weekend for you. Did you do 50 miles uh, marching like the, the people from Go Ruck do? Or did you... <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. I was hearing you talk about that. No, in fact, I did three miles. Oh. Three miles uh, on a paved, like, you know, gravel trail, basically level alongside of a lake. And I'll be honest, I was beat. <laughs> we came back and I sat down for lunch, told my wife, I'm like, yeah, that really was a little more aggressive than I wanted on a Saturday morning. And <laughs> like... 
Yeah, I, my Saturday morning was, uh, I was home alone with my son on Saturday, right. getting him up, trying to get him to his swim lesson. He got to the swim lesson, we're trying to put on the goggles, and I don't know where we got these goggles, but the straps are just custom made to get stuck in hair. Pulled on his hair, so he screams about that, then he refuses <laughs> to come out of the bathroom, and we ended up not doing the swim lesson on that day. It was like a miserable start to the day. We were planning on having a fun Saturday, but uh, that didn't happen. We ended up essentially playing with Legos at the house most of the day and stuff like that. <laughs> playing Minecraft, too. That's his uh, his new thing, the game Minecraft, which I'd never played before. Uh, we got it this weekend. He wanted me to download it, and right. he did. He earned it, and uh, it was it was enjoyable. You just mm. get to build whatever you want. It's kind of cool, of course. He, everything I do is wrong, according to him, but you know, that's how it works with dad. So moving back to it, you did three miles and you're like, oh God. Yeah. I mean, we started off just wanting, like I live near this lake and there's a dam at one end of the lake. And so my wife and I and the kids said, well, let's take them out and go on this you know, hike. It's only you know about a mile or so. And I was like, okay. It turns out to be like 1.4 or something to the dam, which yeah. means to come back, you know, you got to do the same distance back. Three miles and I was exhausted and oh, yeah. I, I, I really felt. I felt embarrassed that, you know, here my six-year-old is like, do-do-do-do-do, running around, Flying no big along. deal. I Never mean, she tired. had a blast, and I'm like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah, my kid never gets tired. I, I get tired. He never does. But when you think about something like the 50-mile star course in Washington, D.C. that GORUCK did uh, just a couple months ago, that was the first time we talked to Jason right before they did that. I think it was like the morning before they did that. Um what do you think about those 50-mile courses or those 20, those people who do like these extreme marathons? That's basically two marathons that they're doing, yep. and they're doing it with a rucksack on. The difference is in marathons, you're basically doing it by yourself. In the, the go-ruck challenges and the star course and all that stuff, you're doing it with partners. You're, mm -hmm. you're talking to people and building community, as Jason talked about during that interview. I mean, I'm impressed with it only in that, like, I know, especially among the veteran community, you know, we're not in our 20s anymore. Oh, uh, you know, I'm and way out of them. Yeah. Now that I'm in the fourth decade, um, I think you really like. I, I have a lot of respect for them because they've stayed in that level of conditioning. If I went out and tried to do much more than a Saturday morning hike with my family, and you know, if I went out and tried to even run like a 10k or something, um, I, I I'd be doing damage to myself. So I think it's important. What I take away from all those guys that do that is that they've stayed in shape. They've continued to move. Um, it's important to get up off your couch important to get up out of that chair and yeah. stay moving even if it's just a little three mile hike that your six-year-old's exhausting you on yeah. um you know i i definitely tip of the cap to those guys who are capable of doing that because i know they're playing into their fourth and fifth decades some of you know yeah some of the time and yeah. they've managed to stay conditioned so uh it's an ever-present reminder for me to get up off my fat butt and to do it gradually. Don't try to do 50 miles if you've never done five <clears throat> right, you right. know and and that's something important there but it was interesting to hear, though, again, you know, when we talk about the uh, uh, the 50-mile challenge, and as he said, the one in Washington, D.C., that star course in Washington, D.C., it was a doozy. It was wet. It was miserable. People were, uh, if you saw pictures of the feet of the people who won afterwards, they posted them on their Facebook pages and stuff. Right. It was disgusting. Their feet looked <laughs> like hamburger that had been dipped in. Uh, it, was, it was just, I don't even want to go into what they look like, but... He said that, you know what, when you think about your military service, uh, it's kind of interesting that 
oftentimes it's those really awful moments, those embrace the suck moments that stick out to you and become the things you laugh about later on. Like, oh man, you remember when and all this. And and for the most part, I'd say that's true. Although I have some suck memories that uh, I will never embrace. embrace. <laughs> and the people who cause them, if I ever see them, we're going to have a significant problem because I, you know what? There's certain things I'm ready to go to jail for. Right. <laughs> I'm ready to go to jail to get back at certain people. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that even in 50 miles of misery, people are still having a good time and having a great time yeah. out there. Of course, Phil Briggs is having a great time here at ConnectingVets.com where he puts together the Vet Story podcast along with other great articles and things that you can find on ConnectingVets.com and on our social media platforms where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the YouTubes. What's your latest podcast, Phil? Yeah, I'm torn. I don't know if I want to talk about last week or the one I got coming up because we, we just... talked about the toilet one a little bit already. Did you talk about we that? We talked because... about that a little bit because essentially uh, the government said like, oh, yeah, 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 no, we'll, we'll fix those bathrooms. No, no, right. pinky promise. We don't need to make this a law. And they didn't. So now uh, Mr. Wheaton is going after the government yeah, to yeah. make them do that. So since so, we've already talked about that one today, that should make the choice easier for you. Okay, Let's cool. Um, we talked about embrace the suck. And as I know it, doesn't that phrase, that phrase comes from SEAL team training, right? I mean, isn't that kind of the... the I don't know. The, I don't know where it comes from. Like a from. term that they use to talk about how weak or talk about getting through the conditioning phase at Bud's. But you embrace the suck and together you, you can get through anything as bad as it may seem. You do yeah. it as a team and you can get through it. Um, I'm going to talk tomorrow to Brandon Webb. Former Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL sniper training guy, right. um, author of so many books, including The Power of Thought. Uh, his latest book, Mastering Fear, just dropped last week. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And as I know it, Brandon Webb, one of the founders of softreprradio.com, uh, along with Jack Murphy and the yeah, Rangers yeah. and all the guys over there, uh, they do such a great job at reporting and doing things from like the special forces kind of side. But the management, the inspirational, the psychological part of what these guys bring to the table as authors is equally as impressive. Yeah. And his latest book, Mastering Fear, um, talks about uh, all those times you have self-doubt. He's interviewed dozens of people, and all those times you have anxiety. You don't think you can do it. You're, you're, you want to start a business. You don't know how. Uh, whether it's business or personal or professional, um, he breaks down in so many ways the psychology of it and how you can get past your demons. How, and and it's so applicable to everybody because yeah. whether you're military, not military, a spouse, uh, just some run-of-the-mill guy that has a dream, we, we don't get out of this life without dents and dings. And your psyche, your self-confidence can suffer to the point where you don't even achieve what you were meant to do with this lifetime. Mm. And he's going to talk about that with me but it's fascinating yeah. to hear from his perspective how it's re it relates fundamentally the inspiration for the book comes from giving a very good friend of his swim lessons <laughs> a grown man who'd never learned to swim and brandon was like um i i can't believe we're friends and you don't know how to swim you can't even be on my boat really yeah. without knowing how to swim come on man i'll teach you this and through that journey he uncovers all these things about mastering fear it always shocked me that there are adults who don't learn how to swim when they're kids. But then I went to Navy boot camp and you would have uh, sometimes up to like a fifth or a quarter of your division had to go to swim lessons because yeah. they couldn't pass the swim test. One of them, my favorite story from the pool at boot camp, <laughs> guy goes up, you know, you've got that 25 foot drop or whatever it is yeah. from the tower into the water. He goes up, walks out to the edge, steps off, drops into the water, just fine. Goes down to the bottom, and he's just there on the bottom. Doesn't come up. 
didn't know how to swim. And I guess figured, I'll figure it out when I get in there. And they went straight down to the bottom <laughs> and was just standing there. And one of them, they have Navy divers. Yeah. Boy, that's got to be choice duty for them. The divers who just watch people pass the swim test at boot camp <laughs> and teach them how to swim. Um, they dove down and they got him. They said he was still there with his arms crossed. I so like, just didn't know what to do. Just froze up. Uh, it shocks me. But yeah, it it's, is something that happens out there. And when you talk about special forces and the mindset and the leadership. That's something that uh, we talked to Mike Sorelli about just last week. Of course, he's a retired SEAL. He's one of the guys at Echelon Front, mm-hmm. along with Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, that uh, they came up with the book Extreme Ownership, the two of them, Jocko and Leif, which is uh, mm, okay. a widely praised uh, leadership uh, uh, and management book. It's not about, oh, look at us. We're SEALs. We're tough. They are SEALs. They are tough. We right, know right, that. Right. But it's one of those things also that I think not just special forces, but people in the military. That's one of those innate skills that you tend to come out with no matter when you're getting out at a level just just a little bit higher from people who are in your same age range. What I mean is if you do four years, you get out at 22, you're about the same age as someone graduating from college or getting ready to graduate from college. After those four years in the military, you've been entrusted with standing watch, with carrying a firearm, with running something at Mm -hmm. some point to some level, whether it's field day or whatever. It's just one of those things that we have and we don't think about often enough. You've been listening to... The Morning Briefing here on Intercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. I'm Eric Dame, your host. Jake Hughes is your producer. Phil Briggs has been joining us for this last segment here. Now, Phil, uh, very quickly here, because we only have like 30 seconds left, if people are interested in finding the Vet Story podcasts, what's the best way for them to go about doing so? So glad you asked. Uh, iTunes, please become a subscriber. We want to grow this listening base because the guests we have are just incredible. And share it with your family and friends, too, because you don't have to be a former military to appreciate it. But certainly in iTunes, and then, of course, at ConnectingVets.com, click on the podcast tab at the top of the page, and it takes you right to Vet Story. Morning briefing, Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. That does it for us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Helping military veterans stay connected. We make it easy. We are CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at ConnectingVets. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Morning Briefing. I'm Jake Hughes here on ConnectingVets.com, Intercom's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every single day is what we do, and we do it through our website, ConnectingVets.com, your one-stop shop for all things veteran-related. And I'm going to keep reminding you until you do it, follow us on social media. We're at ConnectingVets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Now it's Monday. Which means it's time to talk with the Iraq, Iraq, I can't talk today, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. And I'm joined, as I usually am, by the fabulous Tom Porter. Tom, how are you doing today? Outstanding. Thanks for having us in, Jake. And uh, I, that's the first time anybody's ever called me fabulous. So it was the first time for everything. Exactly. You should have said, <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. It would have been great. It would have been like, a, a big, like we planned it or something. <laughs> Anyway, there's a lot going on on the veteran sphere. There's the NDAA that's going to be signed. There's uh, the new secretary of the VA. But the big story everyone's talking about, and the one that's kind of raised a serious stink, is that a piece from the website ProPublica that mentioned three powerful men 
that are having, as they call it, undue influence over the VA. Now, I know that Melissa Bryant, the chief policy officer for IAVA, did a hit on PBS NewsHour yesterday. And I want to ask you, what, first of all, can you tell me, what are the basics of this story? Like, what is it saying? Um, Jake, the, the basics of this story are that, that three um, wealthy, um, powerful friends of the president uh, at uh, members of the Mar-a-Lago Club, uh, or I assume they're members if they're there, um, are, uh, have been exercising some undue influence over the VA, uh, VA reforms, VA operations, and personnel. Um, and uh, the ProPublica piece, they had gotten a hold of internal documents, communications, emails, that kind of thing, that outline uh, a, a lot of how this happened. And so there's concern by, 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 uh, by many that, uh, that there are these three uh, gentlemen that uh, are, are not veterans of the U.S. military um, and that, that they may have ulterior motives and they have undue influence over the VA and their reforms. And, and that could in turn uh, affect vets. So that's the overview of what's happened. Right. I'm looking at the story right now. Let's see. It's, uh, the one that surprised me was uh, – let's see if I can find it right here. Uh, there he is, Ike Perlmutter, who is the chairman of Marvel Entertainment, like the comic books. Uh, Bruce Moskowitz is a Palm Beach concierge doctor. And then a lawyer named, where was the name? Mark Sherman. Now, like you said, these three are members of the Mar-a-Lago Club, and they're called in the story the Mar-a-Lago Crowd. I'm doing little finger quotes here. And as I don't know about you, but as I read the story, well, first off, people say they're having undue influence over the VA. My first question is, haven't some of the recent changes at the VA been pretty good? Like we got the Accountability Whistleblower Protection Act, the expansion of the Choice Program, yep. uh, more telehealth. So does IVA or maybe just you, whichever you can speak on, think that this is necessarily a bad thing or do you just like not know yet? Well, I can tell you though that those items that you just mentioned are separate uh, uh, from these guys. I mean, the VA Accountability Act that we strongly supported and, and worked to pass into law, I mean, that, that, that had its beginnings in the scandal at the VA uh, in Phoenix uh, back in 2014. And soon after that, uh, we worked with other VSO partners to develop that language. So that whole new law that's being implemented now, that, that had the, the buy-in from all the VSOs, and we helped create that along with the committees on the Hill. Okay. Um, so this was this preceded the uh, the the uh, Trump administration. Also, same thing to say about the um, the uh, uh, the appeals process um, reforms at the VA that preceded the Trump administration, and then it was the product of years of negotiations with uh, the Hill committees and the VSOs. Um, and the same with uh, with the recent mi passage of the Mission Act. We've been involved in that uh, far before the Trump administration came in. So. Um, so that preceded all those big reforms preceded the Trump administration um, where the, the problem that we see could come out of this piece is that if if those documents and if this reporting is true, uh, it, it does show an, um, it does show a, an influence by the, this group on on the, the secretary and it seems like day to day operations almost. Um, I don't want to jump to any conclusions on that, uh, but it, it certainly looks bad. Um, and it and it it it, it appears that, that three of these gentlemen at Mar-a-Lago are having a lot of influence uh, when the administration should be looking to the VSOs uh, for their expertise uh, over over years and years and decades in in the the veteran space and and what veterans need in terms of reforms. 
Okay. And I, I, I keep bringing these things up, not because I'm trying to defend the president or I'm taking one side or the other. I'm just reacting to what I see in the story. And I remember, and there's one part where uh, Ike Perlmutter, the Marvel guy, was approached by a, uh, a, a another Mar-a-Lago person and said that her veteran son was having trouble accessing accessing her military his military health records. And I know that recently there's been a big push between linking DOD health records with Veteran Affairs health records. Yeah. So could that, I mean, that sounds like a good thing. My, 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 the point I'm trying to make here is we is I think we don't have enough information yet to act either way on whether this is a horrible thing or this is a good thing or whatever. I will agree that this should be the VSO, should be the first place the president goes because y'all are down in the trenches with the veterans. Yeah. So, but moving forward, what do you think or what can you perceive as coming from this big revelation? Well, um, it's gotten a lot of attention really quick. Um, and I can tell you that the, the things that have happened just in the last couple of days, um, Senator Tester, uh, the ranking uh, member on the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, just sent a letter, very strong letter to uh, Secretary Wilkie yesterday with 15 other Democrat senators um, uh, asking uh, him to, quote unquote, write the ship um, and listen uh, to veterans when it terms uh, com- comes to formulation of reforms and policy at the VA. Um, Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi put out a really strong statement. Um, House Veterans Affairs uh, Committee Vice Ranking Member Mark Takano, a Democrat from Riverside, California, he put out a very strong statement. Tim Walls, the ranking member on the House Veterans Affairs Committee, sent a letter uh, yesterday to, uh, to Wilkie, uh, and he's doing an investigation on this. Um, we welcome uh, and encourage Congress to look at this um, because uh, um, I think you alluded to it is, is that there's this piece – um, has concerned a lot of people, and we certainly know that, that, that there's a lot of smoke, uh, and where there's smoke, there's usually fire, but there's smoke at this point, and we want to make sure that we're not overreacting. Uh, we want everybody to, to, uh, to get involved on this. The committees of jurisdiction on the Hill should look into this. It shouldn't be just Democrats. It should be Democrats and Republicans, and we've asked the chairman of the committees uh, to, uh, to make a, a statement uh, on this to, to tell us what they plan on doing on this issue to resolve it. Uh, so uh, again, this is something that uh, this that's concerning. Uh, they should be looking to veterans uh, and not to folks that have not served in the United States military, um, and uh, looking to the veterans groups with the expertise when they make the reforms. Uh, and we'll be encouraging Congress to to get more involved to find out what exactly happened and to what extent. Okay, let me ask you this: just because something you said, you uh, you said that they should be looking to people who have served in the military now. Dr. David Shulkin never served in the military, and right. yet by all rights, he was an excellent secretary until his personal issues sort of brought him down, or according to this story, possibly made other people try to take him down. So do you think, are, are you saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry if I'm playing gotcha here, but no. are you saying that, uh, are you saying that someone should be in the military if they want to have a stay in veteran affairs? No, absolutely not. Uh, Secretary Shulkin, we had a, a, a pretty good relationship with him, as did uh, a number of the other VSOs. Um, the uh, and he did he, he consulted with the VSOs. Um, we met with him often. Um, he's uh, he's he's met with us uh, many times. We knew him and had a good relationship with him back when he was an undersecretary 
under the previous administration. So, uh, so that was a good relationship. He wasn't a veteran, um, um, but he did look to the veterans groups for formulation of policy and reforms. Okay, that makes sense. And it's just, like you said, it's important to remember that, like you said, there's smoke. We don't know if there's fire yet, and people need to sort of like I just published an op-ed where basically I'm telling people to calm down, wait for all the facts to come out before we start running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, real quick, someone else entered the studio while you were doing that interview. What's your name, sir? Hey, my name's Travis Horn. You're, okay, I'm supposed to make fun of you for being a young Marine at 8th, whatever that means. I'm supposed to be making fun of you. What does that mean? I was at 8th and I. I was a ceremonial marcher there. Um, so that's, I don't know why you'd make fun of me. But, uh, <laughs> I, ask Melissa. I was. She told me you can make fun of it. Yeah, it's, a, it's more of like a posh post for an infantry marine to go to for their first duty station. Yeah. It's right uh, down here in southeast DC. Yeah, I understand <laughs> the two. I was stationed at the old guard oh, okay, uh, with yeah. the army, which is a which is a purely ceremonial unit. Yeah. So, so that's exactly I get it. You we and me were, were on this. We're yeah, on the same thing. Exactly but were you infantry? Yep. Yeah, so in, oh, so you were like. You you were supposed to be the hua hua grunts on the ground, so and they you, recruit, went, you went to the pogue place. Yeah, they were <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, they recruit all of us out of school of infantry. Um, so you have to be because of the uh, traditions of the post. You have to be an infantry marine to be a ceremonial marcher there. So it's a two year billet. So I did that for my first two years in the Marine Corps. Okay, all right. I was just I just <laughs> I was told by Melissa to make fun of you, so I had to, I'm contractually obligated okay. because I do <laughs> yeah. whatever she tells me. Yeah, so, yeah, it makes you're sense. You're good. <laughs> We're on the same page, though. We went to the same. Did the same exactly. Stuff. We we know exactly what it's like to be. You know, but granted, I wasn't infantry, so I kind of had an excuse. Yeah. But you're infantry. You're supposed to be. You're supposed to be making fun of people like me. <laughs> well, I did it after that. I did that for two years. In my second two years, I was out in camp. <laughs> so that's Hamilton. when you were like, "You stupid pugs." Yeah, I get <laughs> yeah. it now. Okay. Yeah, I got plenty of it when I went to the fleet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah, that. All right. Now we're going to move on to other things. Uh, the other big, huge news is that on Monday, the president's going to be signing the National Defense Authorization Act. And there are a lot of things beneficial to veterans in there. What are some of the issues, some of the items that you're tracking that are in there? Yeah, thanks, Jake. Uh, the, the NDAA, the, the annual bill that directs the Pentagon's priorities for the next year, that's what we're talking about here. Really big for troops. Uh, is a 2.6% uh, pay raise. Oh, wow. Uh, so largest in nine years, I understand. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I assume that that's good for, from everybody's perspective. <laughs> no, more more money is always good. Yeah, I don't want more money. <laughs> Keep that away from me. Yep. Um, and then you've got uh, – uh, it, it's it's increasing the end strength of all the service branches. So more in, in, in all of the uh, all the service branches, more personnel. Um, oh, okay. And so it's going to cost more money, and so it's a seven hundred plus billion dollar bill, um, so significant. Um, it also uh, uh, improves the tap process, the transition process, uh, and especially um, and and including for um, um, for spouses. Um, it, it improves the, the the processes for transitioning service members, but it it also improves the job. Uh, job uh, processes uh, and opportunities for spouses of service members. Uh, it addresses burn pits, which is a, a top priority of ours right now. Yeah, that's one of your big six, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, one of our big six priorities for 2018. Um, but so the NDAA actually uh, uh, establishes a, an education process um, uh, to outreach to, to military to to tell them uh, about the burn pit registry, the existence of it uh, at the VA for those that have been exposed. Uh, to uh, burn pits and other airborne toxins. It tells them about this registry and where to go. 
Um, because as, as you may know, um, the burn pit registry, it's about three and a half million uh, service members are eligible to enter their information and their exposures into this registry, but only 140,000 have so far in the last four to five years has been in existence. So really, hardly anybody knows about it. And I, I do a fair amount of traveling around the country, talking to service members, and, and I ask them quite a bit about this, and hardly anybody has heard of the burn pit registry. So this is significant. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> excuse me. As it's been compared, it's been called the Agent Orange of our day because it's this insidious thing that mo- a lot of us were exposed to, but there's not a lot of information on. The fortunate thing, I think, is that in this modern era, the word's getting out much faster. Like, we didn't, there wasn't a service connected thing for Agent Orange until the 90s, I believe it was. So the fact that we're getting on top of this now is important, but like it is more important that people like you and people like us let people know. Like I'm on that registry because I had to, you know, burn the poop bucket as we used to call. We used to use that as a euphemism for any really bad detail. Yeah, I gotta go burn the poop bucket. Of course, we didn't call it poop, but I can't use that word on the radio. Yeah. Anyway, so how often do you have to do that? Uh, I had let's see. Uh, we the way our rotations worked is every two weeks we would stay at a combat outpost in town for four days. And usually I had to do it once every other rotation. So probably three times a month the whole time I was there. Yeah. And, and did you burn it with uh, jet fuel? Yep. Is that what you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be what uh, so many people have that experience, unfortunately. Um, you know, a colleague of mine at, at IAVA, uh, sh- she shared with me a picture of her, her actually doing that uh, in, at Baghdad International Airport. Uh, and one of our, unfortunately, one of our members um, uh, stood with us at a press conference when we announced the new legislation on burn pits a few weeks back, uh, Christina Thunderthill. Um, she uh, is suffering severe health health problems as a re- result of her exposures and what she was a food prep specialist in the Army. Um, but, but you know what she did in Balad in Iraq? Uh, her job as a food specialist uh, was not to, to prep food, but to daily take out the, uh, the porta john bins and drag them out, burn them with jet fuel b- down to a brick and bury it in the desert. And that was her job. She had to breathe that stuff every day. And, and she's hurting right now, um, re- really bad shape. Uh, and we need to, uh, to get the, the right science and ultimately care for those like Christina uh, and so many that I've heard from uh, over the years. And, and especially since we started on this campaign, people are coming out of the woodwork talking to us about about their exposures, their difficulties dealing with the VA uh, in response to these exposures and getting treatment. Uh, and so that's why we have this legislation that we got introduced. Uh, we worked with Congressman Brian Mast, a Republican of Florida, and Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat from Hawaii, both post-9-11 veterans, both uh, young, dynamic, and really want to do something on this issue. Um, had a, a press conference with them when we kicked this thing off. We just saw the the introduction of the, the Senate bill uh, by Senators Klobuchar and, 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 and Sullivan, from, a Republican from Alaska. Um, so a lot of momentum on this. And what the legislation does is it places accountability at the DOD to report uh, uh, to, and to ask the questions of service members at, at the periodic health assessments that we do every year and uh, to determine if they've been exposed and if they have, then they're entered into the registry. So this is significant. Uh, it's a it's a bill that will boost the data to be researched at the VA, uh, so we can we can help veterans better. So significant. 
111 co-sponsors on the House bill in just the last few weeks since its introduction. Both parties are really um, enthusiastic about this. Had a hearing in the House side I testified at um, on this bill. Uh, had a roundtable by the House Veterans Affairs Committee where members of Congress from both sides were very energetic and very animated and strong desire to do something about this now. Right, because it, remember, it's not just you know burning human waste. Anything that we needed to permanently get rid of, like computer hard drives that were top secret or something like that, that stuff was burned as well. That releases all sorts of random elements and chemicals into the air. Yeah, think about... Um Remember all those bottles of water that you drank? I mean, you, you've you've got you got bottled water that every service member drinks over overseas, or they drop big pallet full of a plastic water bottles. What do you do? Drink about eight to ten of them a day, times a hundred thousand in each theater at the peak. You know that's over a million. You know, I went to a state school, so I can't really do the math on that. But it's a <laughs> lot of plastic bottles that gets burnt, um, and so. Um, so it's that it's the, um, it's, if you've been down to, to anybody that's been to Kandahar in Afghanistan at the peak, when we had 30,000, uh, coalition troops there, uh, there was a lake, a giant lake of raw sewage. They called the poo pond. Uh, and it was disgusting, especially in the summer when it's the hottest, that's, that's all you smell. And you had people eating and sleeping and working around this, this, uh, if you were to go on YouTube and search poo pond song, there's a soldier takes a pretty humorous look at it. He's, got, he's pretty good on the guitar, too. And he sings a song <laughs> on the banks of the poop pond. I mean, uh, that's all you can do is have a sense of humor about it, right? Um, and then you've got a situation in, in uh, Kabul, where, where I was most of the time when I was deployed there for over a year, uh, where you've got a, a chalk-like, very fine dust that's everywhere, and it's always blowing around. Um, that's what you're breathing every day. Uh, it's also, uh, they've got open sewers in that giant city. And so you're breathing airborne feces on top of that. It's the diesel generators that we've dropped all over those countries in the past. So you're breathing a lot of that. So the, the exposures come in different ways and forms, and it's not just the burn pit, although there was so many of them. That's why it's so complex. Uh, and, uh, you're probably never going to get a hundred percent accuracy in terms of finding a link. Uh, that's why some members of Congress the other day, we were talking with at the round table, we're, we're talking about, Hey, then we've got enough science on this. It's time to do a, a, pre a presumption of exposure to this, uh, to these, um, or else we're going to be waiting. As you said, a few minutes ago, you know, decades like the Vietnam generation that came before us and they're standing with us because of that. They don't want to see, uh, us waiting 40, 50 years to be able to get, uh, the, the appropriate care, um, and acknowledgement for our exposures like they did. Right, because it's a dangerous precedent because like right now what's happening with the Blue Water Navy vets is that the VA is trying to push back and say, oh, no, the science isn't there. And what it looks like is they're waiting for these members to, to die off so they don't have to pay for the benefits. And we don't want that. Like, I, I'm going to ask you real quick. Do you have any thoughts on the, the, the current plight of the Blue Water Navy? I know it's like outside your wheelhouse by like 50 years, but... You know, do you have any like opinions or statements on that? Sure. I mean, we've we've worked with uh, we've worked on this issue, um, even though this is not uh, our generation for the most part. We do have Vietnam veterans uh, as part of our membership. Um, it's significant to us because it's the same issue uh, that that we're dealing with now, uh, and so it, it's fair to be able to solve this for them. So we support the legislation that's uh, that's uh, that's moved forward on the Blue Water Navy. I mean, I've. My father-in-law's Blue Water Navy served in served the Navy during Vietnam. Uh, it's important to me, not just because of that, but just because it's fair to be able to get these 
these uh, men and women that have been exposed in this way to get the care that they need. You're right. It's really it's it's kind of it's one of those bummer things to talk about because it, there's so much involved. It's the reason I hate politics. Let's move on to something a little more upbeat and fun. How about uh, Vice President Pence's recent uh, announcement about the creation of the Space Force? Oh, okay, yeah, that was yesterday at the Pentagon. Uh, so oh. he came in and, and made the uh, made an announcement. Um, the uh, this actually came. Um, Got its start in the the uh, the, the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. That's that's for this year. Uh, there was language that put into it last year that would start this process by a couple of members of Congress that had this concern. But then, as you know, uh, the president uh, feels really strongly uh, that we ought to have a, a war fighting capability in space, uh, and we'll be establishing a, a war fighting joint command uh, headed by a, a four star flag officer. Um, force uh, and and so th- this would be uh, in response to the administration's perception that um, there are threats now in space uh, from uh, Russia, North Korea, China, Iran. Uh, that there have been threats to our satellites and our different capabilities uh, in space, and so they that's why the president wants to move forward with this new with this new war fighting command, uh, much like uh, uh, the 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 sea. Um, sea and, and air and uh, and, um, and land domains that we have now. Yeah, I mean, people like to joke about, oh, the Space Force, I'm going to be a space shuttle door gunner and all this stuff, but there really is, like, there's things in, like, the, the way that humanity is now, how high-tech we are, there are threats that can come from up there. Like, I mean, they can knock out our satellite. If they knocked out our GPS system, half the military would be lost because no lieutenant would be able to get anywhere. <laughs> you're, you're right. Uh, you know, that land nav uh, skill, it's uh, it's uh, it's harder to come by these days, you know, but you're right. Uh, there are there, there's a lot of, of technology, uh, uh, private and 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 public, um, that uh, belongs to us in space, and and, uh, and there are threats out there, um, and so the the larger argument, I think people don't, I, I don't think people are disagreeing on that point. It's whether or not you need a four star command and a, and a separate uh, war fighting command in charge of of uh, of our space uh, capabilities, um, and so uh, I, th- I think you're going to have. Uh, certainly, some turf battles to come within the Pentagon because, as you m- might know, that the Air Force has a lot of that capability right now, and uh, and I've been in this town long enough to to know that that anytime you take away something from a bureaucracy, they're they're going to to fight you. On it. <laughs> they're going to push back. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, it was a challenge creating the Homeland Security uh, Department after nine eleven. That was a big deal. Uh, so again, uh, I've seen it before. It's failed uh, more times than it succeeded. Um, so there's some challenges ahead. It depends on how hard the president is going to push on this, uh, how willing the Pentagon uh, brass are, are, and how cooperative they're going to be on this. I hope that the president uh, listens to General Mattis, Secretary Mattis, uh, on, on this thing going forward. All right, and one more last important question. Are you going to reenlist for the Space Force? Well, I, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm, I'm still uh, serving on the reserve side. Uh, I I don't think I'll be uh, uh, serving in in that space force, but I'll be eagerly awaiting uh, how this thing shapes up and, and the, the uniforms and and the football team, maybe the academy. Uh, <laughs> but looking to see Go how space that all plays force out. beat Air Force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, Tom Porter, IAVA. Thanks so much for stopping by, man. Thanks a lot, and may the space force be with you and also with you. Let's pray. You listen to the morning briefing. We shall return right after this. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.